Hello and welcome to Star Trek Reliant, the Star Trek Adventures podcast dedicated to telling stories like we did in the days of the Star Trek Online Foundry. Today I've got a full house, minus one. Bad. We'll get them later. Um, and yeah, let's just go ahead and start introducing everyone down the list, starting with Security Officer Chorog. Hello everyone, this is Chorog. I'm part Tardigrade Wrangler, part security... And part whatever else you need me to be. We've got scientist D.B. Wells. You may be a tardigrade wrangler, Chorog, but my mind is a bit more complicated than that. The inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. You've got another science officer, Grawl. Thinking of the tardigrade, has anyone seen John lately? You've got con officer, Karajunrani. Hey-ho, Gerilyn here, and tonight I will also be assisting the DM now and then. <laughs> dance, puppets, dance! DM needs training wheels for this one. It's big. Uh, uh, we've got... I like to consider myself more of an assistant director than training wheels. Okay. Uh, we've got our chief medical officer and ship's first officer, uh, Eli O'Connor. Hey, everyone, I hear we got tardigrade wranglers, tardigrades in here. It's tardigrade to see everyone. <laughs> Suffer. That got me. That actually got me. <laughs> and we've got our chief engineer, Rick Deer. Uh The only thing we don't need to upgrade for is for our warp engine, because we go places. Can you make our ship go? Yes. All right, and with that, let's cue in our fancy musical intro. Yeah, we cut to the USS Reliant. Just going about its way on a usual survey route, exploring the space directly around the Archer system on the far periphery of explored Federation space. We've got, well, we got our captain and one of our science officers back as uh, Captain Graves and Tetsu Jigoro have returned from their jaunt on Ifar. So, the ship is just getting back to its usual business, usual routine. And first we cut over to the sickbay, where we've got uh, Eli O'Connor and probably doc, uh, Dr. Get as well, uh, basically overseeing an important medical operation where Setsujigoro is being liberated of her last Borg implants. Seeing as... Is... Sorry. <laughs> I was just filling space since... Uh, <laughs> um... In that uh, point. But, um, yeah, so basically sets us on the biobed, just kind of coming out of it. And... Morning. You with us yet? Hmm. Not sure yet. Um... Uh, groggy. Ged looks Feel up at, at Eli and says, uh, According to Kara, I think that's how she starts most mornings. True, that's how I start most mornings, too. But, hey. Um, so, I'm just making... We've tried to wake you up, like, four or five times already, so... Uh, now that you're actually up, he pulls out a little uh, pocket confetti thing and pulls the string with the pop in the confetti. Hey, you're you're Borg free. 
Ked shuffles over to the uh, replicator and comes back with a tray with pancakes and eggs and bacon on it and just sets it on Satz's lap and says, ah, here you go, breakfast in bed. Can't ask for better on a day like that, huh? Oh, uh, is there waffles? We can get you waffles. You want some orange juice, too? Mm, orange juice is it's better. Did she say better chocolate. or bitter? Um, I what? think she said bitter. Chocolate. Give me, give me chocolate. She's kind of like, at this point, having a bit more energy, but you kind of get a little bit of a sense that she's kind of playing it down low, so she just kind of pe- it peeks out um, when she is asking for chocolate milk. Okay, ch- chocolate milk. Uh, all right, I'll go get it. Just warning you, you're currently on your grace time. Another half hour and I go back to normal talking to you. He shuffles off to get the chocolate milk. And the waffles. And the waffles. And since you're not going to be having these, yoink, he says, taking the pancakes. Um, consider that a payment for a job well done. Ow, ow, ow. She kind of tweet, uh, twinches her side a little bit, moving a little too much. You're going to have to slow it down. I, I, I put you back together. I put in the implants the Ibi sent me after. Well, let's, I'm going to be totally honest. They were kind of, eh, so I, I made them a bit better, so. That's how it kind of peaks, like, um, uh, peaks experimentally at our arms and uh, uh, midriff. Can you believe they wanted to put synth skin on you? Like, I, I, I just uh, cloned some of your actual skin and used that for grafts and derm- dermal regenerated it up, so blends naturally. It's like there was never a surgery. Ooh, well, um, wow, I wasn't quite expecting this. I was thinking I'd still look a little bit off, but, uh, well... Thanks, this actually... She She's quite a bit touched at this point and just kind of is like having yeah, a little bit more of a moment than she thought she'd have because, yeah, for all intents and purposes, she just looks like a normal Eevee now. I thought it was important, so... did Used everything my dad ever taught me, along with actual medical school and some things I picked up and learned on my own. As Eli is talking, Setsa kind of leans forward and gives him a hug and also kind of falls off the biobed in the process, but it's worth it for the hug. Eli is going to try to catch her and make sure she doesn't actually fall, fall, but... All right, give me control security. <laughs> Wouldn't this be more fitness? Um, It's actually weaker fitness. than control, so it's like, yeah, I'll... Uh, go for fitness if you want. Is control just, you know, being careful to stabilize her or fitness of just like, nope, use physical body. Can I use medicine, since this might technically be a medical procedure to make sure your patient doesn't fall out of a bed? Fine, you can use medicine fitness. Woo! Two successes, an 11 and a 14. We've got one momentum built up. So, um, yeah, you're able to keep Setsa from falling completely out of the biobed as Ged returns back, and Eli also gets a little bit of a ding on his uh, notepad, or datapad here as well. I'll check that yeah, out in a minute. New the new notification ding, um, just outside the um sort of the the main medical floor of sickbay, um, Sabatu is kind of peeking around the corner, um, just kind of seeing if everything's all right. She, she can't really hear anything at this distance. She just is just kind of trying to look obsequious, but Eli helps sets her back to a resting position in bed. Well, one handing his pancakes, making sure they don't fall. The pancakes do not fall. Yes, he gives her a hug back, like, you're going to be just fine. That's an odd swipes a little tear from her eye and eagerly kind of just sort of uh, settles in, kind of dropping the 
the the morning the t- morning um uh the sort of the the morning grogginess and is just patiently waiting pancakes leaving um leaving Eli to uh yeah basically you know see the other things well he's going to take his pancakes and check the message so the message is from uh hmm interesting Carrington the Carrington <laughs> sorry hold the Carrington up, award DMing you I was supposed to come later, remember? Oh, what? Yeah. I told oh, you to write it I down. That, I, I did write it down. I thought this was coming in right, basically, right at this point. Okay, we can deal with that later. So the notification thing, you can check on that a little bit later. Um, but, uh, yeah, so basically you're free to check on Sabato and see the rest of your duties as first officer. All right. I, Eli goes to check on Sabato, bringing along his pancakes and stopping by his office for a... A uh, rocks glass of Romulan ale mixed with orange juice. <laughs> Breakfast of champions. The body kind of is smelling the waffles and pancakes and is just peeking over curiously. Uh, you want some? You're not allergic to, to gluten, right? No, I don't think so, but um, is, is Big Sis okay? Oh yeah, she's going to be just fine. Oh, that's good. Oh, you're a very good doctor. Um, she rubs the back of her head and says, um, yeah, so those, those, those confectionaries look good. Yeah, I asked, do you want, you want some? She nods and proceeds to have some pancakes. Um, let's see. Real quick, does anyone have any business they need to attend to on Reliant? Um, I, I will say when he got back, there is a, um... From someone in the engineering crew using one of the uh, uh, just sort of like standard engineering consoles, um, the exact you know person who it's from has sort of been um, covered up. But you get a little uh, hollow photo of of uh, LJ in a knitted captain sweater sitting on the captain's seat. Yeah, that that is quite adorable. Uh, apart from that, that's uh, everything. Alright, anyone else real quick? We could do a quick thing with Kiard and Graves um, before we get on to other, uh, get back to Eli. I was about to say, we can put that in later. That was a reminder to myself. We're going to be busy enough with okay. other people in Graves. Okay. Uh, Alright, real quick. Anything for Grawl, DB, or Chorog? Uh, I don't think so. Hmm? Just being sure, just being sure. All right, let's uh, let's then just uh, jump back to um, yeah. Let's just jump back to Eli and Subaru. Um, Eli, do you stay in medical bay? Um, she she can come to the office, so it's so you know Eli's not having to hold the plate while she's cutting into pancakes and all that. Uh, Subaru is having she needs a little help with the pancakes because her you know anatomy is a little bit off from the standard humanoid. You know, just longer arms, shorter legs, and. Uh, she she's kind of used to chairs at this point, um, and kind of says eagerly to uh, Eli, um, "I I just passed another set of exams. Um, yeah, the the holographing structures for the Starfleet Academy program say I'm doing really good. That's really good. Hopefully, uh, I'll talk to Graves about making you an acting cadet until we can possibly clear that with the uh, command itself." Spada smiles and kind of it takes a big a big mouthful of pancakes, just kind of. Not being a little over eager, and she's, she says with a mouthful, just, 
I'm, I really uh, appreciate the you know kindness everyone showed me. It, she cleared her mouth. Um, since I came aboard, yeah, it's yeah, it 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 still feels a little strange being around others that you know aren't fungal. But yeah, yeah, I think I think I'm doing okay. Well, if you ever miss fungus, John's definitely the one to talk to. Eli says as he takes a swig of his orange juice and rum, Eli Nail. He he keeps asking me if I have any snacks. He he does that. He says I smell of snacks. That you. Mm. Um, God damn it! I had a response, but you laughing just okay. okay. Damn it! Give me um, you, you like can you just kind of just chuckle at the comment and you know move on. It's you know just a nice little social occasion. Could be taken as a don't, joke. Don't You're let him nibble on you. Quite sure we're John. Sabadu says, "Yes, I, I, I think that is a sound piece of advice." Uh, yeah. Um, Eli takes another bite of the pancakes. They, they got like a pie-topping peaches on them instead of syrup. Tsubato is very contentious to hang out with Eli and uh, just keep munching on pancakes. This probably might be a good time for the camera to pan around and change scenes. Perhaps to the ready room where Captain Graves is at his desk. Actually, there was one thing. Uh, Eli, do you want to check your data pad now or is that a later, later thing? I mean, did you check the message I sent you? Uh, um... Yeah, like the notification, we can definitely change it for who it's from, but this is where I thought we were going to relay that bit of news. Okay, yeah, check check the pad, I guess. Okay, so um, yeah, it's a uh, message from Graves uh, congratulating him on being nominated for the Carrington Award for groundbreaking development in de-assimilation procedures and cybernetic interface and functionality development from his work helping with the crew of the USS Texas and just general therapy procedures he's developed on treating SETSA, um, not including, incidentally, the stuff that has just today been performed since, yeah, Eli was nominated before SETSA had her last procedure here. Is this a prank, Eli says, looking at his pad? The body looks over it. It's from Graves, so... Um, I, I, I don't think so. I haven't seen him prank people. I feel like if you were to start, this would probably be a good prank. Carrington Award winners are usually ancient by the time they win. Like, their life expectancy after winning is ten years. Hmm. Is it a threat? No, no, no. I, I don't... I don't <laughs> Graves isn't a doctor, so I don't think he'd get the absolute significance of this. Hmm. Leonard McCoy Let's won see. this twice. I see. Shall I go Dr. ask? Beverly Crusher, like... I, no, I, no, no, you don't need to ask. It's just, I never thought I'd be, like, my dad's only been nominated once now that I think about it. He didn't even win. Oh, no. it, it sounds like an honor, so, yay! And it, Eli gets a hug from Sabatu. Eli awkwardly hugs back while he's kind of in shock. It's a very warm hug. And with that... Uh, we will cut over to um, the ready room with uh, Graves sitting at his desk. There's the tone of someone seeking entry to the ready room. Come in. Kara steps in and kind of straightens herself to attention and walks to the front of the desk and says simply, Captain, reporting for disciplinary action. Um, all right. Uh, what do you need disciplining for? She uh, looks unsure, like she wasn't expecting that question. She says... Uh, I abused command codes to release 
sleeping gas into one of the cargo bays. Um, as I understand it, it was a necessary control maneuver for some. Uh, yeah, that that whole situation. I, yeah, I'm kind of glad I wasn't here for that. But it sounds like it was. I mean, something that fit within the param the operational parameters he had at the time. She squirms a little bit and just says, "I." There were other ways, sir. It should not have come to that. All right. Well, I mean, we can basically use it as a review for um, uh, protocols. Basically, it's a set, like suboptimal decision. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily view that as a disciplinary action. It's just something that we learn to factor in for whatever protocols we have to deal with similar situations in the future. Kara just kind of nods and just looks over to the side and just looks back at him and says... Yeah, I just, it just feels like she struggles to find the words and just kind of comes out with, it feels like dealing with someone who's over the top and a little bit out there, I should probably not follow suit. All right. Um, yeah, well, I mean, if you want me to file disciplinary actions, I can go through it. I know it's not going to result in much, but if you feel that it's an appropriate consequence, yeah, I can... Basically, I think it would yeah. be, sir. But if nothing else, you should note it on the record. All right. Yeah. Well, it's not in ship's logs, but I can note it in the record, note it in the, um, note it in your personnel files, and um, yeah, just you know, kind of take it from there. But as far as I'm concerned, something like that, I'm glad the crew pulled through, and uh, yeah, hopefully we won't uh, be dealing with too much out here, and we can kind of just acclimate. Well, if there are going to be Argos races in the cargo bay. I suggest we set aside one of the cargo bays specifically for it. Holodeck sounds like a better place to do that. That would be my thinking, sir. And at this moment, um, basically every alarm on the bridge goes off. So who's on the bridge right now? Is anyone on the bridge? From the main cast, is anyone on the bridge right now? Because otherwise it's going to be um, Larissa and uh, Lieutenant Moon. Moon is going to have to deal with this. I think it is because Rick's still in engineering. So, like, D, like DB at this point can totally be on the bridge, manning an astro, like one of the astrometrics or one of the science stations. Yeah, if we we phrase the question like that, it's up to you if you're on the bridge or not. That's it's your choice. Yep. Drog could be on the bridge, you know, drinking his version of coffee. Uh, do you want to be on the weapon station? Yeah. Okay, so you're on the weapon station. DB is at science. And we've got Larissa uh, is, um, uh, acting, uh, well, uh, acting, I don't want to say acting, she, she's got the bridge, and then um, she's got the center chair, and then Moon's got Khan. So at this point, basically, you've got warnings across the board. So, DB, I need you to make an insight science roll. A one and three a two, three successes. Excellent. So the ship is at once being scanned intensively by something that you're recognizing as there's nothing around you. It seems to be coming directly from subspace. So security protocols have automatically put the ship at red alert. The shields have already gone up and the scanning is continuing through the shields. So there's quite a bit of a spatial problem, which right now as and science officer in training is basically... Like, the ship's automatic systems are kind of doing what you think they should do. 
And it's basically at this point, you just have that insight of what's happening. While Larissa is screaming for status, are we under attack? Uh, short answer, no, but we are being scanned. So the, the, the computer systems kind of flicker with a little bit of a sort of a pink uh, pixelation as the invisible scanning beams are going through ship logs, ship registry, ship database. The countermeasures in the ship are sort of like locking things off and flicking things back on again, but in vain of stopping this uh, probing power. At this point, Graves is getting out of his chair to head to the bridge. Um, Kara, you're making way. And then they both feel a very distinct feeling of not being there anymore. There is just blackness. And in a moment, they're both taken from the ship. So, um, yeah, that has happened. And right now, um, the ship is currently still being um, scanned intensively. And the... Go ahead, Davey. Sorry. Uh, Daniel uh, will try to basically directly uh, directly oppose the scans, just kind of like, I don't know, d- directly confront them in the computer systems and just try to block it off manually with my, just without letting the, pro- the ship try to do it automatically. Because apparently that's not working. Okay, so go ahead and give me an engineering um, reason roll. A 14 and a 2, two successes. Successes. So you're able to basically cover off just through your intuition. You're able to cover off like where you think the next intrusion might be. So you're able to actually do quite a bit of good in securing the uh, ship systems. Like definitely, since your focus is on some of the most secure systems, you're providing a very sort of conservative level of backup to the security devices. So you're basically able to keep some of the most sensitive information out of harm's way here like command code, stuff like that. Um, at this point, uh, Chorog, you're able to... Yeah, so basically, you can try to remodulate the shield grid at this point. Um, so let's go ahead and give a, another engineering um, reason roll. Figure out, okay, how do we remodulate the shields to try to keep, uh, like take care of this intensive scanning beam? 14 and a 12, one success. So with one success, you're able to kind of work your way towards something that's going to be more resistive, but it's only partially effective. So you're kind of just slowing it down, but you're still, the ship shields are still getting penetrated by the scanning beam. However, with, um, this does make it a little bit easier um, for DB to, to effectively help secure the ship system. So as less and less data is being, um, hold this sort of the intensity is also lowering and lowering so by the time eli gets to the bridge um the scanning has stopped uh the red alerts are still blaring sorry i I was just going to say while the uh, i was just going to say uh while the scanning is still happening since it's getting easier to block things off daniel would also like to like just try and since it's getting easier to protect the systems before it goes away, Daniel will try to uh, just fig- try to pinpoint kind of where the signal's coming from because you said it's, it's seemingly coming from everywhere. Yeah, uh. so you're getting this this signal from subspace. So you can do a scan to figure out what layer of subspace. And there are Starfleet tools to try to identify this since Starfleet's dealt with subspace aliens before. 
So you can go ahead and give me a reason science roll. And I do have a focus in space-time. This would apply. So your critical is going to be the same as your science. And you said reason science? Yeah, reason science. That would be three and an 18. Probably two successes. Yeah, I have a five in science. So you're able to actually kind of get a general sense in subspace for where this might be coming from. So you get a little bit of insight into the spatial anomaly. It's still way beyond you for like where this thing is actually coming from, but you're able to make some really good progress um, in trying to identify where this scanning beam is taken from. So at this point, Eli is now on the bridge. I need a status report. What the hell is going on? Where's Captain Graves? Uh, The captain was in the ready room, sir. Uh, DB has the answer to what's going on. And Moon looks back at DB. Uh, So with Chorog's help, we were able to fend off uh, the attack. We were being scanned by an unknown source, from an unknown source, uh, just kind of probing into everything, all of our files. We were able to fend it off, and before it was fully, re- before they fully retreated, I was managed to, I did manage to partially uh, close in on where the scan was coming from in subspace. All right, good. I'm going to check on the captain, make sure he's fine, since if he's in the ready room, which I was pretty already sure of, he should be out here. Eli says, walking over to the ready room and opening the door. There, there is no sign of life in the ready room. It is completely Not in the empty. ready room. Not in the ready room. Um, the crew will, will have also seen Kara go into the ready room just before the attack. So there's nobody in there? Not a, not a soul. Daniel gets up and walks into the ready room to see for himself. No one's there. Checking transporter logs. Um, I'm not showing any signs of transporter activity. The, the, the system at this point does flare up notification um, that uh, Car- or, uh, Lieutenant Karajun Rani and uh, Commander Graves are no longer on board the USS Reliant. Please notify security. Well, security's been notified. Right, Larissa? I, uh, I'll, I'll go let Bryce know. Right. All right. Eli says, walking over and sitting down in the commander's, or the captain's chair, um, setting his glass of OJ and Romulan ale down. Daniel, where, where is it coming from, the scan? Because they took the captain, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, 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 I guess Daniel tells Eli the subspace level that uh, that he managed to pin, uh, narrow it down to. Uh, it, it's basically, you get a technobabble explanation about like it being within, like outside a tertiary fold of subspace um, at a like particular range of harmonics. So it's it doesn't make much sense, but at the same time, the science department can use that to try to narrow things down. And the Reliant itself can also do active scans at this point for subspace distortions. So let's go ahead and get a ship-assisted roll um, for subspace distortions from DB. And then um, Setsa can handle the sort of the, actually, yeah, the subspace um, sort of narrowing down from the science lab uh, below the ship. So let's see... For the ship roll, I'll go ahead and handle that once I get the sh- uh, page up. But uh, DB, go ahead and give me another reason science roll for your end of the investigation. And I'm assuming the focus still applies? Yes. 
dealing with space and time. Space time. The whopping of space and time. Because they are both the same thing, you know. Uh, there we go. Alright, so... Looks like I'll have to try the new, uh, the new dice bot because Majel's not responding now. Alright, so I'm doing a roll here uh, for the ship. Target 12. Actually, that's this. The ship <laughs> rolled a 20, so there is now a complication on the board. Um, it's uh, for DB. The alternative dice roll is slash R and then 2D20. Okay, okay. Or slash roll, then 2D20. With a space Mr. between them. I was about to say, Mr. Space. Third time's the charm. You'll, you'll also you notice, if you're on uh, uh, PC at least, you'll notice the uh, prompts to help to when you're rolling things up. Jorog, your assistance will probably be required because the ship is going to have an aneurysm. All right. So You've got a so three and a nine. Successes. Three successes. Three successes. Yeah, well, actually, three successes. Yeah. Three successes and a complication. All right. So with three successes, you're able to identify um, basically from your side of it where the subspace location is. And very accurately, like, okay, you've actually got this sort of like pseudo like set of hyper coordinates for where the scan emanated from in subspace. But the ship engages a security protocol and effectively locks you out of the system as soon as you get that answer. So um, someone skilled in, say, cracking computer systems will be required. I'm actually I'll also throw this open to Chorog. Do you want to try to disengage a Starfleet security lock? Chorog turns to Dan and says, I have, I have experience with cracking systems. Let me take a crack at it. Be my guest. I, I barely know how these computers work already. <laughs> uh, All right, so... I just want to uh, say uh, Rick does call up and get information on what's going on, and he is um, going to be setting his, his engineering team to find out what is what has been accessed and um, what might have what other things might have happened to the ship. All right, so go ahead and uh, Rick, go ahead and give me an engineering uh engineering insight role and also same from chorag an engineering insight role and at this point you guys have um three momentum you know what i'll use a dice i'll use a momentum uh rick has rolled a 17 a 6 and an 18 one success chorag has rolled an 11 and a 3 two possibly three successes i don't know chorag's foci focus uh, i have focus in information hacking then yeah yep, that'll be three successes so for Chorog, you're able to um, not only break the Federation security lock, you're able to update the security protocols to fix the glitch that just befell the system. So the security systems on Reliant are now just going to be working that a little bit better to take care of the um, aftermath of the attack. So Chorog has updated the ship's operating system effectively with this um, with this update. As far as Rick knows and his engineering team, the scanning seems to have been completely, um, just a completely like, you know, access everything. It wasn't necessarily familiar with Federation computer systems. So it's basically, it was just a sweep through the entire computer uh, core. You do, however, identify that there's nothing wrong with the ship's systems, that there was no amateur complications or irregularities to the uh, EPS grid. Reliant mechanically is fine. The computer system seems fine, even though some data may have been copied over from less critical systems. 
And uh, it Maybe. seems there's just been an information breach. Um, teams are unable to identify any any damages to the ship systems or anything. It seems to be a rather uh, sh- um, shatter, um, shot approach. Everything and everything that it could have taken, it's tried to. It took, tried to take everything. That's what That's I'm what hearing. hearing. Yes. Alright, first step, I think, is we need to contact Starfleet Command to let them know, because everything includes basically the entire Federation shield uh, modulations, weapon modulations, that kind of stuff, so good first step. Second step, where did this come from, and how can we break down the door to get our captain back? And con officer. And con officer. That's implied. Trog, Trog turns to Eli and says, well, it was, it was a... There's a tunneling positron scan. That's that's what that's what knocked us down. With these upgrades I've made to the security system, next time they try that, they're in for a big surprise. But I do recommend we we keeping the ship at yellow alert in the time being. All right, so uh, I get keep us at yellow alert. I think I'm going to have to notify command since Graves isn't here, and I can't pawn this off on anyone else. So, so. Yeah, um, Eli, you're left to make that uh, communicate. You're left to make that uh, uh, comm channel. Um, Setsa, meanwhile, has rushed over to the science lab in her still in a uh, medical gown and is basically like arms, like you know, clutch, like grasping the computer, like full intensity, working on further identify, like basically figuring out, okay, how can we, how can we further deal with this? So. She is currently having a bit of a stress slash panic attack while the crew is basically taking care of some business here. As for um, something else, it has been noted that uh, Daniel is trying to track the missing officers via their comm badges to find out where the scan attack came from. The well, well, inform- spe- sorry, specifically, I'm suspicious, so I'm che- I'm specifically like checking to see if I if I can detect their badge signals from where the scans came from. No, Sorry. yeah, definitely not. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say you you basically just get an out of range error. Okay. Yeah, com badges do not transmit across multiple layers of subspace. Well, never they mind. Do not reach other universes. Never mind. I mean, it'd be good if they did for this specific issue, but yeah, little little com badge and little battery <laughs> CR thirty two battery that's probably powering them. Quick hit there. Um. So yeah, but. Fortunately, with the round of successes that Reliant has had, it actually doesn't take you too long for the science team to kind of formulate a bit of a plan. So there was a localized, from Setsa's investigations, there was a localized subspace distortion that the scan emanated from. So Reliant just has to maneuver towards that. And they might be able to, say, crack open the door with uh, some fancy deflector work. Good few hours to kind of, you know, work through all the uh, particulars. But, uh, yeah, for the day is out, um, the crew is able to, yeah, basically get to a point where it's like, okay, we're making some progress. Uh, I guess in a, in a, I guess in a low point in the workload, Daniel uh, goes off uh, to do a little project of his own. Uh, trying to basically upgrade the com badge that is attached to his spacesuit, uh, basically be, make try, attempting to make it uh, 
accessible, making it able to access a wider range of of space. All right. Uh, stuff. For this, go ahead and give me an insight engineering roll. I'm spending two threats, so your tar- uh, complication range is 18. You said, did he said insight engineering? Insight engineering. Is the key thing is how do you build the uh, sub or the a comm device to reach out that far? I mean, you got well, that, to, like that's some the experiment suit. I'm like integrating it into the suit at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is it's still going to be an inside engineering role, and the, you've got two threat on you right now. It's not an automatic guess for this one. Uh, uh, dang it! That is one success. It's one success. If I spent one more threat, it'd be a comp, which is what I was hoping for. But um. You're able to, like, extend the range just a little bit, but at the same time, like, it could help if you're, like, having, like, major gravitational distortions around you. It might be able to cut through that, but you're not going to be able to reach other planes of subspace with this little combat alone. Like, the pat, like, it's, the energy required is a little much for the tech you have on hand. Um, but it's definitely an and, improvement, no doubt about it. What? And... Uh, I, it's, I, I'm not going to try and retroactively do it, but I, I just realized I probably could have applied a focus with the integrating technology thing. It wouldn't have resulted in much more than what you got. Fair enough. Yeah, it, it is running... Well, in, in terms of the practical output, because it is dealing with some physics. Fair. So, Eli is able to... Or I'll just go ahead and read this out. So, Eli is able to explain to Admiral Quinn that they need to be cautious with their shield and weapon modulation settings possibly being compromised due to the impossibly powerful scales from subspace. Um, he also, he, he, he does some private consideration for or himself for who this might be the work of, but it could be a major threat to the fleet if this thing happens more regularly in more locations. So basically the crew is, you know, the Rhine is proceeding towards a, um, uh, towards the, uh, towards the anomaly, um, or the residual subspace signature that, um, the, the scan in their space um, emanated from. Eli, at this point, uh, do you want to call an officer's meeting? All right, yeah. So the uh, senior staff assembles up in the, um, yeah, up in the uh, conference room. Uh, DB, of course, is also there because he's been doing a lot of the scanning and dealing with the subspace. Um, Chorog um, and uh, Richter are definitely going to be there as well. Moon as ranking con officer, and um, Warl yeah, will be well, there as part of the science team since Setsa is not at her best currently. No, she is currently having a major, um, a major therapy session with uh, John. Yeah, Moon comes in and sits down at the conference table. So, um, yeah, Eli, you can just take it away. All right, I want reports from all departments on what our options are. So, we're going towards this anomaly. Are we going to be able to break it down and? bust inside and get our people back. Moon just kind of looks on and says, look, I just fly the ship. If you tell me to hit a point in space, I can do that. But if you're asking me how to go between dimensions, I don't know. Well, we're possibly going to fly them, so can I trust you to fly it? Yes, once you give me the coordinates. Uh, right. DB, you can, um, at this point, you can supply those coordinates. All right, so thinking a little fourth dimensionally here, the yada yada science science coordinates... He's not literally saying this, but that's the gist of what he's saying. The coordinates are duly noted by those present. So the question then is, um, can, can Reliant offer up a powerful enough deflective pulse to allow transit through the anomaly? Engineering, that's your, 
that's that's your specialty. Yes. Uh, what uh, what kind of power output are we going to be requiring here? Big. Okay. Massive. Uh, let's do a roll in. Um, Large. Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm looking up, doing the wrong thing, trying to do roll, and I should be doing d20. Uh, two success. successes? No, it should be one success. He has a target of 17? Yep. 12 uh, wow. reason plus 5 engineering. It's my best. Damn. <laughs> okay, two successes. Yep. I stand corrected. So, you're able, uh, Rick, you're able to basically work out that Reliant will have just enough power to crack the door open. There is going to be a question of cracking the door back, but you're pretty confident that you can basically recharge the um, uh, the um, recharge the capacitors powering the um, deflector before there's going to be a significant issue. So, so long as you're cognizant of you know just giving the anomaly a little bit of a pulse here and there to kind of keep the door uh, cracked open, you should be able to transit there and back. All right. Uh... But uh, Rick T uh, pulls out his pad and you see him sort of like just scribbling notes, pressing buttons, doing doing all the math kind of calculations that you have to do to calculate something like that. And uh, he's a, uh, we'll be able to output just enough to get this thing open. Um, with with the warp, um, the anti-matter, matter, Engines and and import uh, and and the fusion will should be able to be able to funnel enough just enough power through the um, deflector disc capacitors to to pulse it and provide uh, open up a uh, the gateway. Um, we'll have to keep an keep an eye keep pulsing it though because otherwise the whole uh, anomaly will collapse in on itself and well permanently lock. Moon just kind of looks. Moon looks over and says, "So you're saying if we lost power during this, that would be bad." Yes, we. It is uh, quite possible we might be stuck. Eli takes a deep breath in consideration. All right, and we have no idea what's on the other side of this door we're about to blow open. So I'm going to need all of you to every department. I'm going to need some ideas on how we could hide ourselves when we're through that door. Uh, we don't know the terrain. We know absolutely nothing. So give me some ideas on how we can just hide our presence from, well, an enormous amount of power, something that can put out that kind of scan. It's not V'ger level, but it's, it's getting there. Moon kind of fidgets and says, well, Anything I could do would be entirely dependent on what's on the other side of the, the thing and anything we could hide behind or cloak ourselves in. But against that kind of power, I... Given what they scanned us with and what Rick says it'll take to bust open that door, I'm not entirely certain stealth is an option. BB. All right, he might not be back yet. We're all... Um, He's yeah, Grohl. Grohl, um, you have an idea at this point. That you're you're thinking kind of just through this the science of it, the sort of the energy relationships. And it kind of hits you that while they may have tremendous uh, power to reach out, that level of power might make it difficult to find things near them, kind of casting a really big shadow around itself. 
with the energy signature that um, you have from the uh, uh, the um, the scanning beam, you might be able to create a little bit of a masking field with the ship's uh, EPS grid to try to match that harmonic. It might not be particularly good, but you can just be a little, you know, you basically rely on this relative scale difference between whatever's generating that much power and reliant to basically hide in its shadow. Uh, sir, I was thinking maybe we could, like, hide in its shadow of its energy input by disguising ours and masking it. It's brilliant. All Either right. that, or we could try painting the ship black. We could. Maybe not black, but... Hmm. I might have to make a call on some uh, algorithms that uh, request them. Something that... I'll, I'll, I'll get into it later. But... Okay, so... Seems like we have... Beginning of a plan. I guess we're going to have to make up the rest as we go on the other side, but... Mm. Is there anybody here that thinks this is a bad idea, because we might not be able to come back if the slightest thing goes wrong. We could die or just be trapped. Uh, sir, isn't that basically exploration in a nutshell? True, but it's going into subspace where possibly other Starfleet vessels couldn't even get our bodies back, which... Yeah, I don't like that idea, but... I mean, apart from just generally reducing our energy output as well as uh, the masking through the, the, the frequency harmonics, we sh should at least be able to get a good start uh, as far as go ahead. Well, I mean, they've got the captain and car already. Have we done a full ops? Have we done a full uh, head count? Are they the only ones missing or are there more? Let's see... Uh, Chorog, I guess you're the closest to being ops. You would know that the computer has reported exactly two people missing, Kara and the captain. Sir, for my scans, only Kara and the captain are missing. All hands accounted for. And as far as what we were talking about, hiding in shadows, I have some ideas that I think can help out. It's an old pirate trick I used to use. I have some ideas too. Meet me in the ready room after this. We'll discuss it. I have to make a few calls for possibly something else that could help us, but we'll try to combine the best of everything. Can do, sir. All right. And with that, let's go ahead and take our break. And we come back to the USS Reliant, uh, basically on the verge of stepping into the great big unknown that has presented itself. Um, so let's go ahead. Um, Eli, you've sent off a Com message for a little bit of assistance. Yes. In the way of information. Have you received the information? Possibly, while I'm sitting in the ready room waiting to discuss ideas with Chorog. Um, there's actually, uh, before we go, um, there's a beep at the door. Come. Setsa, um, her hair quite obviously disheveled, but she is very much in uniform at this point, uh, strolls in and says, Um, Eli, I just like to I wasn't part of the, the the big meeting, so um, everything's still looking up. It's looking up. We're we're gonna get them back. All right. Yeah, everything's gonna be fine. Um, yeah, just wanted to talk and um, yeah, just say I'm ready. However, the ship needs me. Um, it's a lot to deal with, but at the same time, I'll do the uh, anything I can to uh, help out. What you need to do right now is get rest. You might not have any stitches or anything, but what you went through was still physically taxing. I know this isn't what you want to hear, but it's going to be what you need to hear. All right. 
I'm gonna get some rest then. Thanks, Eli. Just take it easy. Do work from your pad if you really, really want. But don't be walking around. Like, you don't need to be in uniform. You you look like you're... I don't know how to put it, but... Slightly in pain. Be that emotional or physical. Yeah, a little bit of both right now, I guess. So, um... Yeah, I'll just... You know, get... I'll just get some rest right now. Like, grawl everyone. And you'll... They've got things in hand, so... Yeah, I'll just... Make sure I'm ready in case... Yeah. You need for, like, a away mission. I'll be sure if... If you're up for it, I'll definitely bring you along. But right now, we got this. This is our family. Our starship family. Yeah. And it is. And with that, Setsa salutes and, um... Yeah, just yeah, exits the uh, exits the uh, ready room. Eli goes back to waiting for Chorog. Chorog, you see Setsa exit the ready room. Chorog walks into the ready room and uh, presses the doorbell. It, it's still open. The door didn't have a chance to close. Sir, I'd like to present my idea how we're going to deal with whatever's on the other side of that. Alright, and I just got the algorithms for my idea, so see what we can come up with. Reminds me of a time when I managed to sneak sneak into a Telshiar holding yard. What I did is I adjusted the shield, I realigned the shield harmonics on my ship to act as a giant mirror. So we basically our ship was just a giant hole in space. They tried to scan us, it just bounced off of us. They didn't they never saw us coming. I figured maybe we could attempt to do that here. Fascinating. Uh, my idea was pretty much the opposite of that. He says, uh, tapping the screen and showing it back. These are algorithms that uh, my father knows. He sent them to me. They're for e- they uh, interact with the they they control the ship's power systems and sends it into a dark mode. So interesting. One- one could be the fallout plan. I, It's going to be a funny story, and I know you're probably going to judge me. When I was 13, me and my dad were on on a shuttle, and we need, we were we, we were smuggling medical supplies. And he oh, used that. I, did, I did that before. Were you smuggling it for good reason or just to smuggle? A little of both. Fair enough. So one could be a fallback plan to the other if it doesn't work out. And if neither work, um, you know anybody that has a cloak? Preferably one that works, not a Ferengi cloak. Oh, I think I know of a few people who owe me a favor or two. I will say, um, with, the ship is basically ready to go at this point, so you might not have time to order things and have it brought to the Reliant unless it can be there within, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, okay, yeah, we're running short on time, and I don't think, uh... I don't think Gorwin's house of cloaking devices is open, so... And Korath, he's on the other side of the sector. He won't get here in time. He's an, he's an Orion smuggler I know who owes me a favor. Well, let's do this. Screw it. Mirror, and if that doesn't work, dark mode. And if that doesn't work, uh, try to blow stuff up before they get us. I'll make sure the ship's tactical systems are ready. Great. I will also say that Grawl's idea would actually work well with dark mode, or how to calibrate it. Um, specifically using the energy signature of the scanning beam. I was thinking something similar, and I was going to... if When we did get around to that, I was going to put him on the the up and up. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're ready to assign crew to 
begin knocking on the door. Daniel uh, uh, stops fiddling with the... Gets up from where he's sitting in the corner, uh, sets down his deck of cards that he was fiddling with, and go uh, goes up to Eli and asks, Hey, can I suggest something? Alright, yeah, let's hear it. Just in case either... Just in case both of those fl- plans end up not working and we're just out in the open, should we set up like an automatic hailing signal just for to just be sent out if we're detected just as a last ditch attempt in case they don't want to kill us on site we won't have to do that automatically we can just but i i see what you're saying and i think that is a good idea so we'll have somebody ready on comms you could be that man on comms if you want to oh uh oh okay i've uh i don't think i've ever really hailed a, another anything with the ship yet, with, but okay. With your introduction, like your introductory training that you're doing, you would actually have familiarity in case of emergency to activate the comm system. Like it was more sort of like in the distress call and how to send that out literature. But to be working on the bridge, you would uh, know how to rudimentally work the comm system. And with your scientific experience, you would be able to set this up. Okay. Uh, in that case, my response is instead, uh, Okay, are are you sure though? I've never done that before, and it seems kind of a little high stakes here. And maybe you should ask someone with a little more experience. And I just I don't know. I don't want to mess things up. I'm not exactly the most sociable person, and, Daniel. and Daniel's just kind of spiraling at this point. Daniel, I trust you. I'm asking you to do this because I trust you. Uh, okay. Uh, sure. I'll go figure out how the phone works, and Daniel just kind of shuffles off. Alright, so it's time to assign uh, crew to tasks and start rolling. Moon's gonna be obviously piloting. So, uh, DV is on the comms. Uh, Grawl can be on the deflector systems assisting Rick tier. Yep, well, I mean, Rick will be mainly dealing with the the power shuffling to make sure, routing to make sure everything goes to the to, to the deflected dish. And Chorog, you're on standby with weapons. And if they try if they try to, you know, kidnap more of us, I might have an idea to prevent that. They might be able to get through shields, but it's really hard to get through EM interference, so we if we polarize the hull, that could give us some time. Alright, if it happens, you can uh Yeah, uh go through that. By the way, just for the listeners, it's worth noting Daniel is in his spacesuit right now. I don't think I said that out loud yet. Um, all right, so I need various roles from people. So Eli, you can do the role for the um, the polarization of the hull plating because that could also have some defensive applications as well. Rick, give or so for Eli, that's going to be an engineer um, insight role just to kind of like get that system sort of rigged up as you wanted to. And I have a feeling that you can substitute in medicine for that. Yes, I, I'm a doctor, not an engineer. So yeah, you can, go ahead and do, you can go ahead and use that. Rick, you're on power systems. Grawl, you're on deflector. So Rick, engineering uh, control. Um, Grawl, you're science control. DB, um, you're working something out. So reason science. And then Chorog, to have the weapons primed. You're going to give me a, um, a, uh, let's see, good roll for this. Uh, go ahead and give me a security, um, control roll. 
Okay, I guess CPS conduit uh, power system supplies. Absolutely. And I'm going to pull, grab a dice for another momentum. So we have one uh, momentum left. And uh, in the off chance that it does apply, uh, might as well ask, would uh, space-time focus apply? Because communications through space, okay. No, you're, like, when you're, like, the plan is when you're hailing them, you're going to be in normal space. You're going to be in their space. So, yeah, it would not be across space-time. Okay, I'm using one of my uh, cautious ability to reroll one of those 18s. Okay. And thankfully did not throw any threat on here, because otherwise DB's hail would be sent out immediately. Or on the Rick Tears. Uh-huh. Uh, out of character question, does the ship have quantum torpedoes? I'm going to say yes at this point. Yeah, I believe like, we discussed be... that exactly what torpedoes the ship had was basically the captain's decision. Yeah, so I probably more of an emphasis on quantum torpedoes. So basically, the short of the ship stock is maybe like two thirds quantum torpedoes, one third photon torpedoes. Okay, just so I know that uh, for what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's two right, successes so, from for Rick, and one success or two successes from Grawl, one success for Eli, one success for DB. So DB and Eli are able to basically just bring up their stuff in time. Everyone else has everything else well in hand. So, Eli, you're sitting in the captain's chair. Everyone's just sort of at their stations. And you're, the Reliant is station keeping in this um, sort of this empty region of space. But ahead of you, you could still see lingering effects of the subspace. And only just an occasional shimmer and like sort of way, uh, ripple in the uh, star field. Engineering, are we ready to blast this thing? Uh, we're all set up, Captain. All right, on my mark. Moon, ready to fly? Moon. Moon. Sorry, I was busy typing something up. Yeah, I'm ready, Captain. All right, start the run. And the ship gathers up all its power to the deflector dish. It's all basically, you know, tuned and harmonized and then fired off. And then a large rift starts to open up in space-time to subspace. And... Out of the rift immediately fires a massive energy beam. Moon screams and has to try to dodge the ship. Uh, I just had an evil laugh there. Oh boy, yeah. Oh, so no. um, yeah. So yeah. I was yeah, Kara. I was I was gonna do the same thing. So basically, as um the rift just opens up a little bit, the ship is hit with this heavy tractor beam, and is just yanked through. So inertial dampeners, yeah, they're they able to compensate but not that much. So there's a big lurch to the ship as it's sort of pulled forward into this shimmering kind of a sickly yellow anomaly. There is the standard Star Trek bump and shudder and the lights blink. Everyone is... Everyone's just holding on the little... Well, Reliant his seatbelt, so those have engaged. Permission to send out the signal, Captain? Hold. I think we've been spotted. Shields are holding. So as that, uh, you basically pulled through this uh, anomaly and quickly the Reliant um, comes out into sort of that sickly yellow um, kind of um, sense of that anomaly. Um, continues to open up and just sort of become more and more and more of the uh, view screen until I'm having to navigate through some screenshots here. The computer, it is, there we go. If it's slow, there we go. There we go. Hard drive spot. Meanwhile, 
Larissa just kind of looks over some reports and says, I don't even think they were aiming for us. They just saw the hole opening and fired. You said seatbelts. What of us? What about those that are standing at their stations? Um, you get a little bit of like a sort of a heavier dampening field around you, so it is easier to sort of like stay upright. So basically, the reliant is you know finally emerges and sort of with another lurch into this like the 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 shimmering haze around which there are three planetoids. And these are massive planetoids. And all around, there are debris, ships, all of this. That moon now has to try to evade. So go ahead, Ensign Moon, with two threats spent. Go ahead and give me a, or Lieutenant Moon, a control con roll that is <laughs> equivalent for, for what Moon would be able to roll at this point. I was about to say, he, and he fails again. No successes, one complication. So the Reliant is hit by a large sort of, like, kind of inscrutable piece of just metallic debris. And at that, the shields are down to about um, 40%, just with a force that uh, gets hit by. And you're sort of just left drifting and lurching, and the ship is sort of spinning, just like getting its attitude controls back as the ship systems start to restabilize. And at this, let's go ahead and shift scene. So, Kara, this would, this would be the other scene. I feel like I have not been informed of something then. Oh, okay. So basically, um, the scene here is basically, Kara, you awaken, and you have a feeling of distinct cold all around you. Although the weird part of this cold is that it's going, like, it's, it's affecting your entire body, including both your arms in sort of the same feel. Mm. Kara just kind of blinks her eyes and tries to look around. The duty of a prisoner is to escape. Name, rank, serial number. At this point, you you sort of notice that you're kind of like not quite in a pod, but basically it's sort of this like the bed that you're on is sort of nestled within sort of like a half hemisphere that kind of comes up just a little bit of the edges, and just sort of all around you, it kind of feels like there's a like a, like you can barely see it, but there's sort of like the slight girders of a dome, and this at this is point, not usual. You hear a voice from the other side of the room. I'm slowly approaching, and says, Wait a sec. Ah, uh, young one. You awaken to a new destiny and purpose. Welcome to the Trident system. Kara tries to sit up and look around. Who's there, she calls. You're able to spy, uh, just a sec. You're able to spy, uh, sort of the female humanoid in an ornate robe, um, moving towards you. Just confidently, just gracefully. Something a little bit off, but we'll do a roll for that. Um, and just a sec. And here, I, I'm searching through to get a precise file. Um, I just have to keep going through some sold folders because it wasn't where I wanted it to be. But basically, the woman in the, um, in the robes is approaching you. And um, sorry, could you repeat what Card just said? Kara just basically tries to sit up and just looks around, just says, Who, who's there? I am caretaker Arun, speaker for Trident. And here, well, let us begin with your gift. And Kara is now acutely aware for her body that she does not feel her metal arm. It just feels like her arm. But the rest of her body feels a little odd and tingly. She just 
kind of looks down at her left hand and kind of annoyedly just looks back and says, what did you do to me? We've enhanced the natural talents of the Ibi with some additional augmentation, exactly like my own. Or we could use some considerable assistance in saving this little realm. Reserving the knowledge contained within it, that stretches back beyond what you know is of eternity. Kara just kind of sits up and looks at her and considers her options. This is not unusual Starfleet territory, but at the same time, she was just grabbed out of nowhere. She just kind of narrows her eyes for a bit and just says, did you think about maybe asking first? Well, whatever the answer was going to be, it was going to be this way. Rest. Soon, we'll begin our work. That she turns, just flicks her fingers, and the entire dome lights up with these radial projections of three worlds. And the language at first seems very indecipherable, but like it takes Kara a minute to realize that she can read it. And what it's giving are figures for the system. Population figures, species counts, the size of the planets. And this little realm contains so much. And she's just left with that impression as a rune leaves the room. Kara, still feeling strange and cold, just kind of draws her knees up to her chest. She looks up at the projections, kind of looking over the data, but then just mutters, well, if I don't have a choice, then I am a prisoner. With that, cut back to Reliant. Um, still spinning a bit. I'm just going to go ahead and say that at this point, considering he failed twice in a row, uh, Moon has been knocked out by his console doing the classic Star Trek explodey. Seeing this, Daniel kind of tries to stagger over to essentially grab the steering wheel to stop us from spinning. Well, it's it's a touchscreen for the um, control uh, system. I meant metaphorically. All right, so you're the one that stumbles forward. Let's go ahead and give us a control con roll. Let's be honest, you can't do worse than the past two rolls of Lieutenant Moon. <laughs> two he is happiness. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. <laughs> I'm not spending any threat, because I prefer the Reliant. Um, all right, two successes. You're able... Your con's that high? Con, yeah, uh, I have uh, I, I have 12 control, and then three con. No, con. Okay. Okay. okay yeah, still. Oh, that's cool. So let's just keep in mind, uh, yeah, um, Daniel is a good pilot. Apparently so. Yeah, you're able to, yeah, just basically activate, you know, just go through your emergency training and just bring the ship into, um, in the line. Um, at this point, too, Grawl and um, the Elder O'Connor's uh, cloaking system is engaging at this point. I would also so, like to point out that if Lieutenant Moon were awake for this, he would feel very embarrassed. So, um, yeah, so he's out. Eli, you've got a little bit of a medical situation there, but the other ship indicator systems do say that you are currently hidden and there's no scanning. Eli groans and unbuckles himself, taps his comm badge. Ged, get ready to receive injured. Yeah, I guess I could have figured that. Uh, you, aren't you supposed to call something like prepare for impact? Good point. Kinda hell happened so fast. Um, activate the activate the sickbay transporter for Lieutenant Moon. I'm on it. And Lieutenant Moon's body disappears in a blue curtain. Bloop. That was a terrible transporter noise, I'm sorry. 
Daniel, Daniel is now just sitting very rigidly, trying to not set us into another spiral. At this point, like, there's, like, you hear from somewhere close by, there's just this, the, the sound of a spore jump, but then another sound of a spore jump, and what might be tardigrade cursing. There's just a lot of grumbling, and John sort of pops out from a hatch and scrambles forward and says, What are you hearing? Um, room, 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 I don't but I, I, I try to come um, to help with, well, shirt time. And he's kind of making these jumping um, gestures. Marissa looks over. You, you can't spore jump. John shakes shakes his head. He tries to do a um, spore jump, but he only moves like half a foot. This is concerning. Yeah. So um, um, okay, okay, be okay. And he just um sort of totters over and takes the secondary con station. So. Relieving some of the pressure on Moon, to, or sorry, on um, Daniel to take over for Moon. Does anyone more comfortable with flying a gigantic starship with thousands of lives on board want to take over for me? John uh, has. Yeah, yeah John say, is just on that. John just waves from the other cons from the other thing. I got it. I got it. Oh, okay, okay. I, I thought John got on the comms. Sorry. Oh, the con. Yeah. Very close words, both operating on the bridge. Okay, in that case, Daniel does not say that and instead finally relaxes a little. Yeah, so you've got you've got a big planetary system ahead of you. Like these are the, the like the initial scans are already coming in from the automated systems, and yeah, each of these planetoids is five times the size of Earth, but of only equivalent mass. This defies physics. There's a beep. There's a beep from Eli's communicator. Eli beeps or touches it, taps his comm badge. O'Connor here. For a moment, there's just some squeaking that sounds nervous, and then a voice pipes in, and you recognize it as Jess from the Rio Theans on the crew. And she just kind of pipes up and says, What happened? We, we in strange place. I can't feel anyone. That does seem to be the case. John isn't able to jump at all. We are in a strange dimension. I hope it's not Q again. Neen pops up this time and says, We've never been in a situation where we we couldn't feel each other before. This is... It's almost like there's just... And then Aro jumps up just says, Static! Lots of static! Have you tried... Um, contact telepathy? By, you know, just touching each other's shoulders and all that. Like Vulcans. There's a silence as you realize they probably haven't considered this at all. And then Jess just comes back, uh, we, we try that and come back to you later. All right, and uh, report to medical if that doesn't help. Aye, aye, sir. I will say that it will help. Like, the Riothians will start being able to feel each other a little bit if they get really close to each other. So if they're, like, in physical contact, there's kind of, like, enough range where it's like, okay, we can start to feel it, but it is really hard to use telepathic abilities here. Well, that should keep the rats from totally panicking. Don't run long-range scans. I want probes fired from here. Scans could give us away. Aye, sir. Loading probes. So um, you've got three planetary systems. So you've got a... Uh, the, the, the planet closest to you is very obviously M-class. So it's got a continental arrangement. It's got kind of a very haphazard coloration to it, but it looks, it looks inhabited. On the night side, you're seeing considerable amount of lighting on the back end indicating cities. 
You've got a second planet a little bit further on. Um, looks a little bit murkier. And then uh, the third planet is quite a ways off from you. So how do you allocate your probes? I guess let's start off with the M class. Let's put them in a geosynchronous orbit. I I recommend a class three planetary probe for this M class planet. Short range, but still give us information we need. Uh, Perfect. As as Chorog's finishing that, uh, you get a Rick T to acting Captain O'Connor. Go ahead. Uh, do we have a go-ahead to innate, to uh, enact our uh, EPS uh, harmonics and go with uh, uh, dark mode low power up uh, operation? Um, I'm assuming we already were on that. It looks like we are. Yeah, Marcus had actually mentioned that basically after you got pulled in and the ship got under control, everything like that went into effect. Okay. Yeah, um, I just meant for in chat there, I just meant go ahead and just do a roll for it. Okay. Yeah, just make sure it continues working. Probe configured. Launching on your order, sir. And while Baz does this stuff for the dark mode, I'd like to ask uh, Gwral to let's uh, let's have a reason science for interpreting the data that comes back from the probe. Launching probe. And with a quick quick uh, panel, a couple of panel touches, probe is fired. Probe away, getting telemetry. So your first probe here on the telemetry going into Grawl, is Grawl is a bit overwhelmed by the data that's coming in. You're receiving, uh, let's see. Yeah, you're receiving... Um, Somewhere in the neighborhood of about 293 billion life forms. Yep. With, uh, yeah, a high proportion of those being humanoid. Not like super, super huge, like in terms of that total figure, but at the same time, it's more than you would expect from, like, any kind of, like, rational ecology. It's like humanoids are making up more of this ecology than you would have expected. But perhaps more startlingly, the climate zones on this planet make absolutely no sense. There's a tropical forest at one of the poles. The equator has several polar regions. Various regions seem to meet and disappear into each other with no rhyme or reason for what they should actually be doing. Sir, looking at the uh, results of the probe, it says there's like 280 billion humanoids on this planet, and the everything about the uh, ecosystems on it makes no sense. This is so, either artificial or probes are having issues. I see. Looks like a slight collection. There are 26 billion humanoids, 290 billion total life forms. Do we have any? Can we get any information on the diversity of species? Um, not, not with one success. So, Grawl, you're unable to provide more concrete information about how many species are present. No, there's just solo information to go on from these scans. All right, all right. Um, we'll come back. We'll come back around to that later. Um, also, see if you can try to scan for uh, Captain Graves and. Uh, Car and Car's uh, genetic profiles. I don't imagine there's many Ibi or humans here. <laughs> Speaking of that, actually, Grawl, go ahead and give me another reason science. Um, yeah, okay, I've got another uh, role to kind of... Oh, well, I was about to say, you can take over if you want. No, 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 it, it's got to be later. It's got to be later. Oh, okay, well... I'm not looking at the debris yet. Uh, just a quick reason science, Grawl, to uh, see if you can find any humans. Okay, what was your target number? 
Also, you only rolled one die, it looks like. Yeah, that was an oops. You want me to just re-roll? Yeah, just re-roll. Yeah, just go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can find humans. You can find a lot of humans down on that planet. There seem to be a lot of humans on this planet, unless, like, the, uh, the readings are off again. We're talking about humans, not humanoids, like humans, as in, like, bog standard from, you know, Earth. Yeah, it looks like human, human, Earth humans around 200 million. What the hell kind of place do we find? So with this, uh, you can also scan the debris field around you as well. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's scan the debris field because there's admittedly a lot of this around. That doesn't right. inspire um, much confidence. I am scanning now. Uh, inside security. One success. So you're able to pick up that in the debris field, you're able to detect some warp signatures. Um, it looks like nothing like to like nothing high warp but basically low warp signatures that would be useful for crossing distance in a jiffy within a planetary system the other thing too is that there's an incredible diversity of different um different hull materials you're not able to pick out anything recognizable but i mean it wouldn't be beyond the pale that a human ship may have been uh brought in here before Sir, well, what I'm scanning here doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm getting, I'm getting all kinds of things. I'm, I'm seeing some low warp. I'm seeing some low end warp signatures. I'm seeing hull materials I've never seen before. So I, I'm not. I'm not sure what to make of all this. Move us into the junk. Deeper into the junk. Uh, keep the keep the dark mode up. I need to think. I need to think. I mean, if I if I can make a suggestion is. Would it be risking too much to maybe beam what beam a sample aboard so maybe we can run some tests on it? Of the ships? Of the scrap of the sh- of the broken up ship hulls. I mean I'm sure we can find a small enough piece to be aboard and have the science lab analyze it. While that's being discussed, it looks like Daniel would like to be using the computers and some basic you know, hands-on testing with his deck of cards to see if physics works any differently in this subspace zone. Uh, Daniel, how about you just give me a quick, uh, okay, you just give me a quick, uh, insight science check. Sorry, I got a message right in the middle of that. Sorry. Not your fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, Daniel, you check the computers, you flip the cards around, you actually go back into the Reliance database from the time in which the ship had been trapped in an area where the speed of light was different. You compare everything you can, and it looks like here, physics operates about the same as it does on the universe at large. You're not detecting any strange gravitational anomalies. You're not detecting any strange energy readings. The speed of light is normal. You know, everything is acting as you think it should be. All right. Daniel, Uh, hmm? something, something important. As you consider this, as you're thinking through, like, all of this, you know, the, the sort of the high-end cosmology of things being the same, but what if they were different, but they're not different, you suddenly get this sort of, like, this enormous, like, mental impression. And you're not sure what it, what it is. You just kind of feel like you're out of body for a moment. And you're sort of, your vision starts to kind of fade. And what you see in sort of your mind's eye is a smiling alien in an ornate blue with sort of gold accents robe. 
kind of a goat-like face with this wispy sort of set of mutton chops and more sort of gold decoration about him. He smiles. And then you feel like your brain is hit with a hammer. You fall back. And everything you were just thinking about feels that ever bit more clear. Uh, a loud clunk is heard as Daniel falls to the floor in his suit. Uh, and then after kind of sitting there for a couple moments, he just kind of stands back up, kind of bewildered for a moment. Oh, it just It's just easier now to think through some of the stuff you were going through. It's just like, well, that was weird, but you feel great now. I guess uh, shaking this off, thinking, hmm, that was kind of weird. Daniel just kind of uh, uh, relays the information of, uh, okay, so it seems like uh, physics in general tend seem to work the same way they do back in our normal reality. I'm glad you decided to test that with the trust fall. I'm sorry that no one saw you fall, but... Oh, no, I uh, ran it through the computers and... Did other little tests on the... the never mind, why, never mind. Why did you fall? Whatever. Um, all right, Chorak, what we were discussing, uh, pick several wrecks at random, take samples from them. I sure I'll find some smaller, smaller pieces of me on board and have the engineering lab run some um, scans on and see what we can determine where they came from. All right, good. Um, Larissa. Yes, sir. Can you find our conclave friend? I know he's still on the ship. Uh, he should be... Oh, right, we let him out of the brig. Well, he should be in his quarters. I think he's more or less under house arrest. Could you call him up, please? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have Bryce grab him and uh, bring him up, sir. sir. Thank you. When uh, Bryce seeks the location of Cecius Havoc, uh, the location returned is 10 forward. Yeah, it's within the allowed, you know, things, so Bryce just goes over there and... Looks for Zeshius Havoc, who should probably stick out just a little bit. He, yeah, he is the, the Romulan dressed in, you know, long black leather um, jacket with a little bit of kind of teal blue accenting. So, um, yeah, Bryce is able to bring him up to the bridge. Uh, while Bryce is away, Daniel will go up to Eli and, and say, Hey, can I ask you a question? You could ask, but I'm not sure I'll have an answer, but let's hear it. Uh... There, have you ever come across uh, uh, an alien race, an alien species that's kind of goat-like, maybe with a penchant for blue and gold? I don't think so. Goat-like? Like, are are we talking like goat from like, 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 like goat, goat from the waist down, sort of like the devil, or like goatish in the face? Goatish in the face. Um, no, I don't believe so. Huh. Then I'll just kind of, kind of. Walks back to where, back to his station, uh, just a little, little confused. Wait, what'd you ask for anyway? What was that? Uh, Daniel, why would you ask that? Does it? Did, what? Did something? You, you found something out? No, it's just a weird. I don't know, just intrusive thought or something. Yeah, because I've I've come across a lot of people. I've never seen any, any goat species before. By this point, Bryce and Havoc arrive on the bridge. Yeah, Havoc kind of, uh, kind of just uh, swaggers his way up to uh, Eli and says, mm, "My dear Eli, how are things today?" Um, I'm sure you felt uh, what we went through before, so not good. Yes, I can see there's an 
something unusual going on with the stars outside. So what could you use my help for? Well, here, take a look at the scan. Um, 200 million humans? That That's just humans. Yeah. There's this many humanoids, and then just in general, this seems impossible. Is this some kind of preserver Iconian thing? Mm, not that I would be aware of. Iconians do have... Oh, a few megastructures here and there, but nothing quite like this. But it does have some, somewhat of a similar ring to it, even if the particulars differ and there's quite a bit more life here. This definitely feels very preservers, especially with human humans from Earth. Not humanoids, humans. It's Yeah. Well, they could have, you know, colonized here. I mean, humans do have a few centuries of time, we're in, too. We're in another part of subspace. We're, like, in, inside subspace. Yes, and if we got here... Everything around here is so, sort of primitive, so... Well, as you wish, but fortunately you can't provide any specific enlightenment here. Just general feeling of you got something big on your hands. Well, I don't like the stink of it, so you're going to end up helping us. Goody. This is high-tech stuff, and you are Mr. High-Tech. Hmm, can I bring an associate? Who would the associate be? Uh, who else is on the ship that I might call an associate? All right, he, they can come. At this Exit. point, the uh, the doors to the turbo lift open, and Apathy is within the turbo lift, and he confidently strides forward and bumps into the wall, and then turns around and confidently strides forward out onto the bridge. And um, with that, we're going to cut to... Another darkened room. This time, it's a bit more simplistic. Just you know, somewhat, you know, somewhat cubicle in shape. Graves is sitting on bed. Few things he thinks are, and to keep him alive around could be a water source, could be waste disposal unit. So um, yeah, he's just kind of looking around and just waiting at this point. A flicker runs through his mind before it resolves itself more clearly into the image of a goat-faced alien with mutton chops and blue and gold outfit. Voice just says, you should be ready. He's coming soon. Raves kind of twitches a little bit and says into the darkness, who? And it... The, the voice simply answers, me? And, um... It's phrased as a question, not as a statement. Hmm. Graves says, Alright. Let's see where this goes. And at that moment, a there's just like this, like, the, the darkness is just completely shattered as one of the walls just blows off. It's just like, like there's just an explosion basically in his room. Graves sort of like rolls back, kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of shields his face, looks up. There's that voice for just a moment. I warned you, he's here. And a um, a large sort of a large figure just kind of works his way through through the door, and he just sort of stands upright. And a large, kind of silver tardigrade, wearing battle armor, and a, just an assortment of just things, weapons, tools, what have you. He looks at Graves and says, "Come with me if you want to flee." And with that, we end the episode.